Guess what, people? It is the 21st of July, 2022. It is 6pm here in the UK. I am Brian, the UK Bitcoin Master, back every Monday and every Thursday at 6pm London, 1pm EST. Welcome wherever you are tuning in from around the world. Great to have you with me. I can see the chat starting uh, to fill up. Um, if you are new to the channel, it's really important that you read the disclaimer below. No financial advice here, people. This is just me with my views and my live guests with their views. Do your own research. If you want to check out all the work I've done, UKBitcoinMaster.com is where you will find all of my videos. I think this is number 444. So 444 today, not 666, 444. Uh, we will get to 666, I am sure. So check them out, people. Check out Bitcoin interviews because there are at least 60 videos over there, interviews of some of what I believe are the greatest thought leaders in the Bitcoin space today. So do go and check them out. This one will be there once we've finished. So that'll get added to the list as well. So check them all out. If you're new, this is how you can learn. And I did not have these resources when I got into Bitcoin five years ago. It was very difficult to find great content like we've got today. Andreas Antonopoulos was pretty my go-to and a guy called Adam Meister, aka Bitcoin Meister, um, and they were my two resources. Today, there is just an absolute plethora of podcasts out there, you know, um, seasoned Bitcoiners, professionals, healthcare professionals, financial professionals, and they all talk about Bitcoin. Go and research them. You're going to find loads of them down below at my website. OK, so very, very quickly, as I always do, let's have a look who we have got in my chat. OK, some of you know from Monday's show that I had to re completely reconfigure the setup. So I'm just trying to maneuver my way around because I've got two laptops running with different settings on each. So I want to just check and see who we got. John Gravitt, thank you for the coffee that you bought me after Monday's show. Much appreciated. Like I've said, I don't do this show for any type of financial gain. But if somebody wants to drop me a tip and they don't want to get rid of their hard-earned sats, they can buy me a coffee, if you will. And that link will come up at the end. So John, thank you. Um, Vinny, Rondo is in the house from Staten Island. Good to see you, Vinny. Uh, my lovely wife, Elaine, Mrs. UK. Good to see you, my darling. Um, I can see Patriot Hoddle is with us. Matthew Underhill from the Bitcoin book. Good to see you, Matthew. Joseph Rotniak has joined us. Johnny Midas coming in from the desert. Michael Weber. Uh, hello back to you, sir. Great to see you in the house. Yorkie Bitcoiner is with us. Look, people are going to keep joining. I can't spend all day in the chat, but if you want to shout out, type in UK Bitcoin Master, then your message. It will light up for me in orange and I will gladly give you all a shout out. Before we do that, let's quit. Before we get my guest into the house, let's quickly go in and have a look at the Bitcoin price. Um, not interested in the price, actually. What I am interested in is the fact that top right nearly, you're going to get 4,331 sats for every dollar you spend. So why is this important? Because when we're educating people on Bitcoin, one of the common pushbacks is I can't afford a whole Bitcoin. And I say to somebody, if I was talking in pounds, I'd say, well, can you afford a pound? And they, 
well, of course. And, you know, the comparison with dollars here, but imagine it was a pound. I would say, well, look, for one dollar, one pound, you're going to get over 4,000 Satoshis. They are fractions of a Bitcoin. And then I lead in with, and if you had 10 pounds, stroke dollars, you could get 42,000 Satoshis. And if you put $100 in, you'll get 420,000 Satoshis, which are fractions of a Bitcoin, for $100. And it makes them think. So I like to draw attention to the sats side of things before we get into any show. And there you can see it. And I remember, you know, when Bitcoin was uh, lower, you were getting 5,000 sats. Now we've had a little bit of a pump. You're getting four two four three two seven my mistake so keep that in mind people anyone can get into bitcoin okay so quickly before we start i want to quickly give a shout out to a few things. Number one, the Bitcoin racing team. People, if you are into Bitcoin, the thing that I love about Bitcoin is that the Bitcoiners, if we promote other Bitcoiners, then we promote adoption, which ultimately, if you're in this for number go up, is going to help your number to go up. So we should all be helping each other. And I love this. This is a British racing team that have completely changed all their livery, including their articulated truck. I think you call it in America a semi or a semi. Um, and they literally go around the UK racing and they're promoting Bitcoin wherever they go. So what I would say, what I would ask you all to do is this. Number one, follow them on Twitter. There you go. Bitcoin underscore racing on Twitter. Follow them. Also, if you want to be part of this, like I am, you can actually make a tiny donation to them and you can get your details on their cars. There's a couple there. You've got the El Hoddle, which is a one-off £10 if you're in the UK. The Satoshi Club, which I'm a member of, £230. You get your, for me, I've got my YouTube channel details going on the side or on the back of the car. I'm not sure where it is. So you can help them and then they can help you and whatever you're trying to promote um, with this, which I think is absolutely fantastic. Very, very quickly, we have got a conference coming up in Edinburgh, Scotland uh, in October. We've got some phenomenal guests coming over from the US. I've got it here. I don't want to miss any. We've got Jeff Booth. We've got Greg Foss. We've got Larry or Lawrence Lepard, uh, Natalie Brunel, James Lavish, Sam Samson Mao, Danny Scott, CEO of UK uh, Coin Corner. We've got Peter McCormack. It is going to be an absolute blast. Now, it's not going to be Miami, but I'm really, really excited because pretty well all of these guys, bar Samson and Peter McCormack, have all been guests on my show. And I just cannot wait to meet them all in person. I'm just so psyched, pumped, whatever you want to call it, about getting to this. So if you're in the UK or you can afford it, come over to that conference. You can see the ticket prices there. They've got a special deal. If you bring a no-coiner, there's a massive discount across the two tickets. Um... I would say there's an old saying I love, and that's be there or be square. I cannot not be there. If you want to keep up to date with what is going on, there is their Twitter. Um, that is it. There is nothing more for me to do bar introduce you to my guest. Now, I'm going to read this out. So please, Jason, if I've butchered anything, my apologies. I had to find some words about you, sir. So I'm going to talk to Jason Sansone. Now, Jason, um, he is an MD. He is an orthopedic trauma surgeon. He's been in practice for over 10 years. In addition to that, um, he has a busy 
clinical practice. He serves as a chairman of orthopaedic surgery and medical director of the musculoskeletal, I did it, I've been practicing that, um, clinical program at SSM Health. He is also an active educator and consultant in the biometric industry. Jason received both his Bachelor of Science and medical degree from the University of Wisconsin, which is where he's based. He currently lives in Madison, Wisconsin, um, with his wife, two young children, and his dog scout way to go scout he is a solid bitcoiner and now along with J- greg foss james lavish and others jason is one of the co-founders of the new looking glass education resource educating people on bitcoin and we will be touching not that a little bit later so before i bring jason in can i co- encourage you all to support him you know, he's doing a phenomenal job in the medical healthcare industry as well. I know that I've got a serious medical condition that I've had since I was 23. And, um, you know, we need people like Jason in the space. So in terms of his Twitter, there's the details there. And I'm guessing that's uh, Scout the dog. So without further ado, all that leaves me to do is say, uh, Jason Sansone, welcome to my show. It is awesome to have you in the house, sir. Ryan, thank you. It's my it's my pleasure to be here. I'm humbled you even asked. <laughs> well, you know, let's just kick it off. I think for me, Jason, um, what noobs need is to hear from a complete cross section of people. If, they, if all they're hearing from is, you know, the Greg Fosses, and don't get me wrong, we need to hear from Greg, James Lavish, you know, people like Preston Pish, you know, uh, Larry Lepard. These people bring clout but you know i i'm sort of i i guess i'm i'm trying to be the the front of the regular person i'm a working class guy that drove those big semi articulated vehicles for a living for over 20 years of my life so i'm certainly not financial i'm certainly not medical um and i guess the people that i surround myself with in life you know with my family are working class people that may work in factories they may drive trucks they may you know be taxi drivers that type of thing so you know what i want to do is bring a cross section of bitcoiners onto my show so that people can hear and then think well it's not just those big financial whizzes that are getting into bitcoin so i guess where i want to start jason if i may is maybe you'd be kind enough to give my audience a little bit of background how you ended out uh, becoming an orthopedic surgeon i mean i'm going to say this before i let you answer that my wife and i don't watch rubbish television we would rather learn educate ourselves etc but one of the things that we do like and we watch a lot, and that that is, um, I think we call it helicopter ER or 999 emergency. And it is trauma surgeons when road traffic accidents are brought in and, you know, how they deal with it and what they have to do. And, you know, whilst I'm a believer that the general GP are stressed to hell, you know, and they literally <laughs> recommend drugs from a book, they don't treat the person. If ever I was in a road traffic accident and I was rushed in, I would want the best trauma surgeons trying to save my life, I guess is where I'm coming from. So from your perspective, maybe you can tell the audience, you know, growing up, you know, how you ended up becoming a doctor stroke trauma surgeon. I'm sure they'd love to hear from you and not me. The floor's yours. 
Well, let me just say, Brian, I really appreciate the invitation again. And um, it's a it's a really good question. I tell this origin story often. So when I was in high school, yep. I and it was almost serendipity, quite truthfully. When I was in high school, I had the opportunity to go shadow a brain surgeon who lived in the city that I grew up in, which is Waukesha, Wisconsin, over by Milwaukee. And I don't know how else to say it other than to say... I walked into the operating room and this was when I was 14, 15 years old, walked in the into the operating room. And the minute I walked in, I thought, I want to do this. Wow. I just, I just loved this environment and I love so many things about it. The least of which is the adrenaline that goes along with it. And I mean, as you suggest, you know, when you're talking about trauma surgery, there's a lot of adrenaline sometimes. And I would say that, um, it allows you, what I love about it now, fast forward 30 years is it allows me to be highly engaged in what I'm doing because there's never a dull moment. Yep. I get to meet people at their absolute worst, um, when they're in a tough spot in life and either their limb frequently their limb, but sometimes their life hangs in the balance. And you get to make a really positive impact on people's lives. And, and, uh, truthfully it's, I look forward to going to work every day. Yeah. I love it. No, I I can completely relate to that. I mean, obviously, the, the program that we do watch, you know, we hear these tra trauma surgeons saying this all the time. You know, the stress levels are through the roof because, you know, the phrase is, my life in your hands. You know, you are doing your utmost to save a life of maybe a mum, a dad, a son, a daughter, a, you know. And, I mean, I, I don't think you can place enough emphasis on wanting the best surgeon working to save your life or your limb or whatever it might be um you know so i, I love it jason honestly I i'm so glad i got you on because that that is one thing we love watching and you know it's real life it's going on every day we go out in our car or walk down the street or take a swim in a river or whatever we do you know we are potentially putting ourselves where we need you to help us not leave this mortal coil so i love it personally so what i so in the you UK, in, <laughs> you're welcome in the uk a, you know somebody goes to medical school four stroke seven years to become a doctor and then it's more years if they want you know to do something like trauma brain surgery is that the same in the u.s yeah so so it was i i count this all the time because i get asked that so it's a 14 for me it was 14 years after high school wow so yeah so i you know in in truthfully i would do it all over again i really love what i do and it takes a bit of a look we can get into this later, but it takes a bit of a low time preference to even be accepting of 14 years of schooling. Yep. Yep. And so I think part of that has helped me with my Bitcoin journey, truthfully. Um, but as I say, we can we can get into that later. But um, it's a long time. And, and I, I would tell you that I think the repercussions of the training on people's physical, mental health, um, it are not ins insubstantial. You know, yeah. it, it's a tough, it's a tough road. But coming out on the other side, you have a lot more insight with regard to how the world works, yep. how you yourself work, how best to manage your your life and your family and balance your career. And so, yeah, it's a long road. Um, 
and it sounds daunting and is considering going into medicine because I get that question a lot from students. You know, I, I uniformly say, go for it. It is, it is a truly amazing thing to be able to do with your life. So would you, would you say then, you know, when you walked in, you know, with your colleague, you know, in, into the theater, would you, and you said instantly, I knew that's what I wanted to do. Did you, did you feel that as like some kind of calling or did you just think, nope, this is what I want to do? Or didn't, didn't you give it that much thought? Yeah, I, I th- at the time, I think, because I was in high school, I didn't even consider things on more on a more existential level. It was just more that I loved this environment. I love the fact that this, you know, this was a spine surgery that I watched. And I love the fact that we brought a patient into the room. An hour later, her spine issue was better. Wow. And we were in, in, in the ability to do that in such a granular, finite amount of time was just something that fascinated me. And, and it continues to, I mean, I, I continue when I walk into the operating room still to, to I, every once in a while pinch myself and say, I can't believe that I actually get paid to do this. Yeah, which is incredible. You know, they say, you know, if you absolutely love what you do, you'll never do another day's work in your life. And, you know, absolutely. I, I think, you know, in, with what you're doing, but, and I hate to wax lyrical about this audience, I'm sorry, but because of what we do watch on the TV, honestly, I marvel at it. I mean, I'm I'm unfortunate, Jason. I have rheumatoid arthritis and I've had new joints fitted, some work, some failed and yeah. so on and so yeah. forth. You know, you sort of see that in my fingers and things. Um, So I yeah. know what it's like to be in hospital with an orthopedic surgeon doing work on me. And it's, you know, yeah. so I, I, I just take my hat off to you. But I guess the people want to hear that, but they also want to start to hear about your Bitcoin journey. So, you know, we're, you're, you're working through being a trauma surgeon. Life is just going along. You've got your family. You know, everyone wants to achieve great things, maybe have a lovely home and holidays and a great family. How does Bitcoin come into your life? And when it does come into your life, what are, what are your initial thoughts skepticism positive before you answer that let me tell you my story because my wife and i had retired down to the canary islands which if you don't know where they are a group of islands off the north tip of africa northwest tip of africa and we were just gonna live there and retire at the ocean and then all of a sudden i get this phone call in 2017 from an old business colleague of mine and he's asking me about bitcoin and crypto and i'm actually saying what the hell is that i've never heard of it in my life what is it (laughs) So two hours later, and with my wife on the Skype call with me, being an analyst, and an analyst, whenever somebody gives you information, the analyst says, why? You know, for me, initially, that rubbed me up when my wife, when I first met her, and she kept saying why to everything. I said, why do you keep asking why? She said, I'm an analyst. You know, what's funny. My wife is the exact same way. And I ask her, I oftentimes ask her, how can any one person be this inquisitive? So I'm sure that your wife and my wife will get along famously. <laughs> it is. She just, she just asks and asks and asks. And it's, you know, the good news is that when I was a younger man, or a younger kid, quite truthfully, when we got, we got, we've been married for 14 years. When I was a younger kid, I used to always take those questions as a threat. It's yep. like, well, how could you possibly yep. be questioning what I'm trying to say? And I've learned over the years that it's actually the best reflective mirror that I have in my life. And mm-hmm. if she if if whatever I'm trying to decide on or or figure out in my head passes her test of holding water despite all the questions, I know it's a good idea. That is awesome. So and she, that... likes, so she likes Bitcoin. So there you have it. 
Well, do you know something? My wife is in the chat supporting me. She watches all the pods that I watch. You know, of a weekend, we might be in bed on a Sunday morning and she's watching her pods and I'm watching my pods and we're learning. And so I'm with you. But it was really interesting because you know, what I was going to say before I you know, get you to answer um, for us, two hours after we'd finished chatting with Gary, I was on YouTube and I was trying to set up a, an account with local bitcoins and you know, hold the bit of card up saying I am this person. I'm buying it for my own personal use and da da da. Because I just I needed to get a Bitcoin today because it might be gone up tomorrow and I've missed the boat. It was how I felt. My lovely wife asking all these questions was more standoffish. But then as she learned, she came on board as well. So I'm particularly interested to know how it came into your, you know, how it crossed your radar and how you were around it initially. I think Brian, you you speak my language and I think we're very similar uh, with regard to the fact that that's a typical male response, right? It's like super adrenaline driven, like the house is on fire. We have to buy it now. Oh my gosh, it's a crisis. <laughs> right? I mean, that, that's like pretty typical. And then our, our counterparts, our wives um, who are much more level-headed typically and much more, you know, analytical about some of these things. And, and, and then, you know, they slowly kind of come around to it over the course of months. But anyhow, so so my story was I first heard about it. Funny enough, 50 Cent, who's a rapper in in the US here, he made my probably internationally known. Um, he did some concert in I want to say it was 2012, 2013, where he was paid in Bitcoin. And I remember reading this headline and thinking, okay, well, I clearly not something I want to invest in because there was some discussions about it at the time and I totally ignored it. And, uh, five years, six years go by, never, never gave it another thought. And then just because I had typically prior to getting into Bitcoin, been interested in, in, in doing some value investing on my own. Yep. Naturally followed Preston Pish's podcast at TIP and, you know, Preston's become a, become a friend and, and great human being. And uh, anyhow, so when he decided to switch over and make a Bitcoin only podcast, I thought to myself, okay, maybe, maybe I shouldn't have ignored the 50 cent getting paid to do a concert in Bitcoin. Yeah, but let me now do a deep dive because clearly there's something here. And he was the, the first person who I held in high regard, who really was was um, diving into this stuff. So I listened to his first pod, which probably everybody on the on the YouTube uh, channel here has heard, which is his first uh, interview with Robert Breedlove on yep. when he split off. I mean, it blew my mind, and it's been no turning back ever since. Um, so yeah, I think that's how my journey started. But I would say too that, and, and this is something that Preston emphasizes a lot, and in some of the discussions that we've had too, which is you know, the thing that's really missing in society today, period, not just related to finances is critical thought, right? Yep. And you don't, yep. and, and it doesn't mean that you have to have a medical degree or some type of advanced CFA certification or whatever. It just means that you have to be willing to do a little bit of work and do your own research. So the point you made at the outset, which was very valid, which is to say, look at this is do your own research. I, this is a resource, go find your own. You have to do that in order to 
in order to be able to not only navigate the finances and investing, but to navigate the world. And so I was constantly kind of measuring my thesis about why I thought Bitcoin did have value yep. against against reality, right? Because the fact is you can you can wish in one hand and crap in the other and see which one fills up faster, right? I mean, <laughs> if you're if your thesis is so good that nobody else in the world believes it or the facts change, then you need to have the humility to say, okay, I I I don't think Bitcoin is what I thought it was. Yep. I still do that and I haven't found a good reason as to why it won't succeed. I'm not saying that it will 100%, but I'm saying I, I, I always look for that and I haven't found a reason. Today. Well, it, it's, it's interesting you say that because, you know, coming back from my, you know, leaving school at 15, hated academia, just hated it. Didn't want to learn anything, didn't want to be in school, wanted to get out there in the workplace and just earn money. So, you know, of course, then your parents and your peers say you're never going to amount to anything. You've got no qualifications. You'll probably end up in jail or something. You know, you, I, I came to Bitcoin and in terms of critical thinking, I've learned tons in five years. But what I've learned, and I keep saying this on my shows, is stored in here so that I know but sometimes yeah. I don't know how to get it from here out of here fluently. So I can't run shows that get into depth like that. But I know. So what I tend to do, yeah. Jason, is I follow the likes of Preston and Breedlove and Swan Bitcoin. And, you know, all the people in that, that are, and I hate saying Bitcoin maxes, Bitcoin only, they're Bitcoiners. You know, they know, they understand what gives it its uniqueness, why there's Bitcoin and the rest is crypto. They get that. Yeah. And then if yeah. their thesis changed, if they started thinking, whoa, hang on a second, I don't like this and whoa, then I would start listening to what they're saying to do my own critical thinking through their critical thinking. I don't know if that makes some kind of sense, but I'm just a regular guy. You know that. Yeah, and, and truth be told, Brian, so am I. Right? I mean, I don't. <laughs> I wouldn't say I mean, that. Well, but no. Listen, I mean, I. I mean, you know, <laughs> I that, take your that point. Is, mm. That's one aspect of what I do, right? But 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 that notwithstanding, you know, I as my Twitter profile says, right? I'm a I'm a husband. I'm a father. Yep. You know, I'm a dog owner. Yep. Uh, I'm yep. a friend. Most of my friends. Uh, most of our family friends and everybody in my family is working class, as as you suggested. You know, I'm the only one in my immediate family to have gone on past uh, past undergraduate and gotten a medical degree. So, you know, most of the people that we surround ourselves with are, you know, quote unquote regular people, and yep. and that's how I identify myself. And and you know, the the fact is that I agree with you. You you have to be able to measure your thesis, not only with yourself, but against other people who um, who do have knowledge about the way the world works. And always, though, be cautious, because I think there's a lot of snake oil out there. Uh -huh. And there's a lot of people who know that it's easy to make a quick buck if they can just convince you to buy. This They've got their own agenda. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and so, you know, what I like about about people like Preston and Greg Foss and, and James Lavish and, and Larry is they're all just good human beings and they're well-intentioned. And I've obviously, I've, you know, met, I, you know, founded a, a, an organization with, with 
Greg and James and spend time with Larry Lapard and, and, you know, a couple phone calls with Preston. And the fact is they're the same off camera as they are on camera. Yeah. They're just good, normal human, human beings. And you can tell that when you actually sit down with them, hmm. you know, and I, what I would say is that I think the, the Bitcoin community in general, um, not everybody, but by and large is full of people who are just well-intentioned, good human beings. Well, um, you know, I, I sort of, I just look at all of this from, you know, a macro lens. I tend to zoom out. And the one thing that, you know, seems um, pretty apparent that, you know, there was this narrative going around several weeks ago that, you know, Bitcoiners are psychopaths, you know, and yet, and yet maybe, maybe, maybe we are psychopathic in terms of we understand because we've done the research you know, we've we've dug in, we've learned that the world's going to crap. And if we don't, you know, voice how we feel, if we don't try and touch one human being, one person at a time and get them to think differently and look at everything that's going on with governments and banking and, you know, money printing and everything else, you know, you see, I don't know how you feel, but when I'm talking to people about this, I had a, a conversation with my kid brother, just two years younger than me, um, this morning. And I'm sure when I was talking about everything that's happening, he was thinking, you've lost the plot, mate. You know, but I said, yeah. I, said, well, I, I, think, said I think that is, yeah, I think that is often the response you get from people. But what I would say is that, you know, don't confuse psychopaths with convicted people, right? And I think the reason is that, once you see these things and once you, you know, again, do your own research and whatnot, but once you see the way the world works, you can't unsee you it. Back, <laughs> you can't unsee it. You cannot unsee it. Yeah. And, and so then you almost, it's almost the, this feeling of, of, you know, evangelism mm. uh, as though you have a duty to uh, society or people individually to, to not, and I don't ever take the tact of, Hey, you know, just go do this. You should do this. Mm. I always just say, you know, here's the deal. Here's my five minute spiel on what Bitcoin is and why it yep. matters. Do you know, go, I'm happy to be a resource for you if you need any more advice on what to read or what to listen to. But at the end of the day, I just want you to be well informed. Yeah. And I have not yet met somebody who truly has done the research, who's gone down the rabbit hole who then comes back to me and says, you know what, I did it all. I understand every single aspect of this. My due diligence process is complete. I've spent six months doing it and I think it's total crap. Yeah, absolutely. I've never heard that, right? Um, but to your point, you know, I, I totally hear your point when you're talking about when people ask you about something and you know what's in your head, but it's difficult to kind of verbalize it, as you said. Yeah. I think that's absolutely true. And one of the things, one of the points that I've made previously, um, in fact, I think on Preston's show was, you know, everybody's got a plan until they get hit in the mouth. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like the yeah. thing. And that's oftentimes what happens is people, people will say, okay, you know, well, you're saying that there's, you know, inflation or there, that, that, that fiat is going to continue to get printed and devalued and well, whatever. Okay. What do you mean by that? Yeah. And that's oftentimes the hard part when you're thinking to yourself, uh, I don't, I don't know how to explain this. It's difficult to do that in five minutes. Right. And so I think the reasoning for that is that there's just generally 
a lack of education on the way the global monetary system works. Mm. You know, and, and, I think you're right. And look, I can, I can put my tinfoil hat on and think that it's a big conspiracy theory, and maybe it is. I, I don't know that that's true. That being said, if I was running the current global monetary system, I certainly wouldn't be teaching others um, about it in in school because I really don't think I'd want everybody to really realize how it was how it worked. But the fact is, we don't have good language for how these things um, occur and about what's going on in the global economic environment. And, and yeah. so it's not natural for people who aren't working in this career for decades. It's not natural for us for us to have these conversations with friends, family, whomever, because we don't have that language to pull from. Yep. No, I totally agree with you. Um, and like you say, you know, Preston said it when he was my guest and he nailed it. And he said, um, he said, Brian, he said, pretty well, most people to learn about Bitcoin, to get in the rabbit hole is just simply an inconvenience in their lives. It's inconvenient. Yeah. And, you know, my take is, is it really inconvenient just to leave it there and let governments look after you or not, <laughs> you know? Yeah, well, I think, but I think it's a, it's a great point. And I, you know, I, for those of you who follow my Twitter feed or not, you know, I, I, on occasion also put out some things about, you know, health and wellness and whatnot. Yep. Which, which please nobody take that as medical advice either, <laughs> or, or financial advice. But it's the same type of thing, right? It's like, oh, I would lose weight or I would eat better or I would exercise or whatever, but it's inconvenient. And, you know, look, look, I'm the, I'm the, a big proponent of taking personal responsibility for your choices and everything. And I, listen, I'm not sitting here saying that I'm an angel as it relates to health and wellness, truly. I mean, yep. I used to, I smoked for many years. I used to drink pretty heavily. Like, you know, I'm an open book about that. Yep. But the fact is if you, I had a lot of patients who say, yeah, I just, I just can't do it. You know, it's inconvenient. Hmm. Okay. Well, so that's a matter of life or death to you, right? Then it has to be something that's just not inconvenient. Why do they wait until it's life or death, though? Why wait? To right. Win? Well, because I think because it, you know it's uncomfortable, right? And it's it's similarly it's uncomfortable to the the finite nature of your finances. It's uncomfortable to think about the fact that through inflation, your wealth is slowly burning away. No, and so it. it's probably like you know what a this is kind of an unpleasant topic to talk about because I'm scared. Mm. B, I've never been educated on this. And so just approaching it is overwhelming. Yep. And C, I'd rather just outsource this to somebody else who, even if they're feeding me a narrative that's not true, I'll, I'll take it like hopium and be able to sleep at night. And, yep. and unfortunately, it's the confluence of all those things that allows two things. One, people to not look into Bitcoin and two, the global financial system to continue to perpetuate as it is. Well, I don't think we've ever seen any, well, we've had 40 years, haven't we, of a bull market as such. Yeah. You know, when you look at inflation and interest rates, et cetera, you know, most of us have lived in a world where it's all been comfortable and everything's been great. And, and I think p people, um, 
don't think that will change, particularly in Western countries like UK, America, etc. They think everything's great. It will happen in other countries. You know, the trouble is it doesn't happen overnight, does it? It creeps up on you. Yep. People never think that until it's, I mean, every Bitcoiner out there has heard the analogy of uh, gradually then suddenly. And, you know, it's interesting because while you and I both, I'm sure, are very familiar with what's happening in the markets globally and what's happening with the Fed and what rates are doing and what, in, what inflation is doing. Yep. I'm not so sure that most people are even fully aware. You know, quite honestly, I think they have a sense that inflation's up a little bit, but most people won't even notice until the markets seize up and just melt down. And, you know, I think ignore it at your own peril. Well, uh, let, let me put this theory to you then, because um, in 2008, of, of course, I didn't know about Bitcoin back then. And, it, you know, it was only just you know coming into existence. But when the, the global financial meltdown happened in 2008, I'm going to put myself in the camp of the regular person that nothing really changed for me much. Does that make sense? So, you know. Yeah. I, I, what, what am I trying to say here? The regular person today is going to feel the pinch and think, oh, fuel prices are going up and they'll have a moan about it and the prices in the shops are going up and let's moan about it. But they don't really get or understand that we're in a situation now where the global financial system is teetering on the brink of collapse. You know, this is this is horrendous. And when I got into Bitcoin, I knew nothing about this. So it's pretty acceptable is it not that the majority of people are just going about their daily lives they're earning their living they're living paycheck to paycheck and hoping that nothing goes wrong would would you agree you know so yeah and, and who could blame them and what i yeah. what i find interesting a couple things one everybody always has a sense that there's something askew with money right when you talk to most people they have a sense of well I realize that a dollar earned today is not worth a dollar or a pound. I'll say, let's use pounds. 20 pound worth. Oh, we've got plenty of US people in the chat. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, and so there's that sense. Now, most people don't understand why that is, but they do understand that that problem exists. Yep. And then what it does is it creates this constant sense. Again, I think a lot of times this is subconscious. It's this constant sense of running on a hamster wheel. And whether you like it or not, people will make life decisions and act in such a fashion to protect their basic human needs, one of which is, you know, money or being able to afford things. Yep. And so to your original point, though, I think what happens is that most people are so hyper-focused on simply, you know, earning fiat in any way possible. Again, I think in large part, because there's this subconscious thing going on that they're not even aware of, that they're unable to look around and try to figure out what's going on. Now, I think the other part of that is if you'd have asked me or most people in 2008, what a mortgage backed, what a mortgage backed security is or a credit default swap is, yep. no, nobody would have known, right? I mean, nobody. Nope. And nope. in fact, there's probably a lot of people on Wall Street that didn't know at the time. Yep. This, is, this exists in that ether of euro dollar systems and and you know shadow banking and all oh, these types of things yeah and the problem is that in in, in what i'm sure we'll talk about it, what we're trying to do with looking glass but the problem is that even at the time 
you know, the popular press outlets were unable to really send messaging to the public or were 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 told not to to send messaging to the public probably to explain it right to explain it right to just simply say look at here there's a here's four sentences on what is going on yeah the money yep. that's placed on bank balance sheets doesn't exist it is a fiction entirely and when you start placing bets on this fictional money that depends on that fictional money and it keeps going down the line the problem is when the house of cards starts falling they all fall right and and trying to figure out a way to reach people and explain to them mm. what the problem is yeah but the issue is that the you know as, as you know as well as i do that the banking system one of their main priorities is lobbying in washington dc yep of course it is because they're able to navigate these things and get protected when most people assume, well, I mean, gosh, if I go to Chase or Wells Fargo or, you know, Bank of America or pick your, you know, Lloyd's, Lloyd's of London or whatever, you know, they just assume, well, obviously my money's in the bank, it's safe. <laughs> well, go somebody who lives in Lebanon, you know, go ask somebody who lives in one of these African Venezuela. countries, yeah. Yeah. Venezuela, where, where your assets are frozen overnight and it actually isn't your money. Yep. But most people, to your point, in England, America, you know, what, what we call first world countries have no concept that that's true. No, I'm, I'm with you totally. And I think, you know, there's an educational process that's going to take place over a long period of time. We can't do this tomorrow, next week, next month, or even in the next five years. This has to play yeah. out. And if you, you know, because I'm in Bitcoin, obviously I've gone back and I've gone through Saferdeen's book and, you know, I've read The Creature from Jack and Ireland from Edward G. Griffin. Yeah. That's heavy, but crikey, that was an yeah. eye-opener. When you understand yeah. that this new money, if we can call it that, is going to play out over decades and maybe 100 years, you know, while Bitcoin is still... TikTok next block, let's say, it is going to play out. So this thing, you know, these people that sort of say to me or look at me as if I've gone mad, they need to understand that this is not playing out like a pack of cards falling over. It is playing out day to day, week to week, month to year, etc. But it's yeah. most definitely playing out. Jason, let's yeah, switch. I'm, I'm looking I'm looking at the, yeah. the time. I want to talk about... Well, I, just want to, I want to say two things there, Brian, and then we can Please. switch. Yep. So the first of which is... I agree with you completely with regard to the time scale. Most people in, in what I can't, I look at, look, I love Twitter and I love all these types of things. It, it, but most people, when the price goes up a thousand dollars, everybody's tweeting, Oh, it's never going to go below this again. It's never going to, it's not going to suddenly go to a million dollars next Wednesday. I hate yep. to break anybody's heart. Yep. And you know, quite truthfully, I don't know about you, Brian, but the longer I'm in the space and the more I know about things, the more I read, listen to podcasts, the less I, the less I check the price, you know, Ditto. I don't, Ditto. what's that? Ditto. Yeah. Yeah. It is yeah, for it me, just... for me, Jason, sorry to interject. It is not no. about price. It is all about what is going on behind the scenes. You know, the innovation, you know, the companies coming into the space, the mining and all that stuff. I mean, I watched a pod this morning with um, Preston and uh, Obi, who was the CEO yeah. of Coin Floor, 
who sold out to Coin Corner. If you haven't watched that, people, go and watch that. The innovation that's coming in terms of self-custody and like multi-sig from a different standpoint, it blew my mind. If you haven't seen it, it is an absolute must-watch. That's the type of thing. That's where I'm at. It's not what the price is doing day to day. It is the innovation. The price is going to catch up. I'm convinced the price will catch up, but it's the speed of the innovation, isn't it? Yeah, precisely. So I, I, I make it a point to say at least, at least if nothing else, lower your time preference for Bitcoin price because yep. It, yep. you know over a long enough time period, everything approaches its intrinsic value, right? But we're talking about one of the most challenging aspects of whether you want to call it investing or saving, you know, I think of it as saving, but if you want to call it investing, one of the most challenging aspects of success in investing is actually having the patience yep. to watch your thesis play out, right? So the way I approach things generally is to do a lot, a lot of research on the front end, grow conviction when I have grown enough conviction. And, and of course, nothing is 100% in life. When I've grown enough conviction, make the investment and then stop thinking about it aside from ensuring that your thesis remains the same and nothing's changed. So anyways, I know you wanted to take this somewhere no, else. No, so. I, I can talk all night, all day, whatever yeah. it is for you, but I'm mindful of <laughs> what we discussed at the start of the show about your other commitments. So I didn't want to end out chasing our tail on this. Firstly, can I just say, Will Hobdy, welcome. Good. Thank you for your lovely comment. Proud Zionist Jew is in the house. Good to see you. Dave Shackelford from Phoenix is in the house. Um, Lee 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 zero zero. Hello from Yorkshire. Welcome. Good to see you in house. People smash the like button. If you're enjoying this, please tweet it out if you're on Twitter so that we can get more noobs finding this. OK, this is the bit that I wanted to get to, Jason. Um, I did not set up the sound, so I'm going to flick over to that screen. But people, if you are not aware of Looking Glass Education or LookingGlass.com, you want to be aware of it. Now, let's just let me just check this out, Jason, before I start getting you speaking that I'm talking. Jason, can you say something? Hello. Yeah, brilliant. We're working. So, right, what I've got on here is obviously the, the homepage of, of lookingglass.com. So maybe, you know, tell the audience, what is it? What's it there for? Yeah, so, you know, kind of uh, akin to what we were just talking about, Brian, which is that most people have never had any education in this area, myself included. Yep. And the, the, the impetus behind this really came after Preston had Greg Foss on his pod for the first time. And I'm listening to this pod and, and here's this guy who's a, you know, fixed income arbitrage trader, which you know, don't, don't be confused. I had to look up fixed income and arbitrage too. <laughs> <laughs> so here's, you know, here's Greg popping off about, oh, the first and order, first and second order derivatives of, you know, acceleration, convexity. And, and I'm thinking, oh my God. And, but the, <laughs> The one thing I gathered from it was I'm pretty sure I want to understand what Greg's saying, but I'm certain that I don't. And so afterwards, you know, I reached out to Greg on Twitter. I mean, I didn't know Greg uh, uh, personally until a year ago. Yeah. And I just said, hey, listen, I, you know, love the show, understood very little of what you were talking about, but pretty sure that I should understand more. Where can you point me? Which direction can you point me in to find some 
details of this stuff. Yep. So he sent me a copy of his paper that he'd written, his four volume, three or four volume paper that he'd written a year prior. And this is 40 plus page paper. I read it and I understood even less. I mean, it just was not <laughs> digestible for, you know, in like, in like I, I mean, I'm not saying I'm smart, but I am saying that I've gone through a lot of schooling and like I'm pretty bullheaded and I'll go through stuff and try to understand it. And yep. if it takes me a year, I'll do it. I didn't understand what the hell he was talking about. And I, I wrote back to Greg and I said, I un thank you. Now I understand less. Can we just, <laughs> you know, meet in a, a, a quick Zoom call? Because I'd like to just pick your brain about some of these things. And at the same time, I'd been noodling on the whole idea of how do we create a platform for, for people like like me, which I think represent a far greater percentage of the population than than people who are experts would appreciate. And so Greg and I got on a phone call and then, you know, things launched from there. And really Looking Glass Education is the brainchild of that. And we we um, we immediately brought in Seb Bunny and Daz, Daz B, um, who are two of the uh, most hardworking working class individuals that you'll ever meet. And then it's grown over time to add, you can see there, Max Plug Music, Dahlia Platt from Colombia, and then James Lavish as well. So it's been, it's a group of, a pretty diverse group of uh, people from all around the globe, different areas of expertise. And the idea here is simple, was just really trying to, you can see under the mission statement there, really trying to um, simplify and make first principled type of educational content about the global financial system. Because as we said before, Brian, once you see it, uh, you, you can't unsee it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Let me bring me back. Um, I get it. People, I would encourage you all to go to lookingglasseducation.com. You can take courses there. You know, I mean, I was going to take a course, but I didn't know whether that would show up. And then people think, hang on, he does Bitcoin podcasts. Is he thick or something? <laughs> I was I was I wanted to go through it all so I could talk in depth about it, if that makes sense. But so yeah. I I. Yeah. I I did hear Seb. There was Seb and you. Were you on BTC Sessions? Was it BTC Ben's show? Yes. Yeah, so I think it was Seb and James, if I'm not mistaken. I wasn't on that one. I was... It, it, I, so There was one you were on, on, I remember you being on it. But yeah, it was James and yeah, Seb. We, we can't keep track of uh, all the ones we've done. <laughs> so we were on, we were on with uh, Preston on TIP... Um, Daz and Greg were on Blue Collar Bitcoin, Blue Collar Bitcoin. Um, I'm going to be on the Blue Collar Bitcoin show this coming weekend. Then we've been on ses with Sessions, um, been on Bitcoin with Jake. So there's a lot of, we've been, there's another, uh, Seb joined um, um, up in uh, Canada. I'm losing losing his name right now, but. Seb Bunny? Uh, we'll, yeah, Seb, no, not, no, not that way. The, the host. Uh, ah. um, John Vallis, John Vallis. John Vallis. John Has John Vallis joined? So yeah, yeah. So we've been doing quite a few of these just to kind of get the word out there because I yeah. think, you know, um, I mean, I'll be honest, like Seb and Daz are the are the, the the two guys who are really, you know, spending time making this educational content. I, you know, I regret that I don't have more time to devote to it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, do have a couple other things going on with with my uh, trauma surgery practice but um yeah it's a really it's been a really prolific uh group so far and it's pretty still pretty young well i was going to say you know 
again, coming back to 2017 when I got in, I mean, how things have changed in five short years, it's crazy, you know, and now we've got, you know, Swan doing what they're doing. We've now got Looking yeah. Glass. I mean, basically, there's just becoming a plethora of information, learning platforms. You've got Sailors Academy where, you know, people can, you know, crikey, the amount of university courses that you can go through on, on, on what Sailors doing, you know, apart from the certificate, you can literally get a degree, can't you, without the certificate, yeah. which yeah. Uh, there are certain, I think it's the US where they will certify you but you know it's just incredible the point is yeah, and to your point though you know i think what we're seeing is in and this is just this is not just bitcoin it just everything we're dematerializing the educational ivory tower yeah right and 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 we're seeing that with internet really the freedom of information and the free flow of that that becomes readily available to everybody it's only a matter of time before these the tentacles of this knowledge will seep out into the world. Because you know, yep. bear in mind, the last time that that we had global financial meltdowns and everything, we we, we didn't have nearly as robust an infrastructure. I mean, if you take the uh, you know financial crisis out of the mix and you think back to Bretton Woods or you think back to closing of the gold window, hmm. you know, in 1971 there was not there was not Twitter. And so if you didn't pick up a physical newspaper or watch the news at night, you would have no idea yeah. what was happening. Yep. Uh, so that's, you know, the, the, the onus of opportunity is on the side of truth. And, and I think of Bitcoin as just, it's, it reveals the truth about financial markets, whether you like it or not. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. I'm, I thought I had the looking glass, um, Twitter up, but I can't seem to find it. But people, whatever you do, check out lookingglass.com. And if you're looking for resources to send noobs to where they can get this basic understanding of like, what is money? You know, what is debt? All that type of thing. Such a useful tool. I've gone in and looked at loads of it, to be honest with you, uh, Jason. So um, look, well, appreciate it, Ryan. Yeah. And, the, and, and we're, we're, it's not static, even though it seems we, we're constantly trying to to put out new content and, and yep. posting articles on there. I know Seven Daz are working on another course, which is uh, on par with the with the introduction to to money course. You know, like kind of the debt, money, and inflation course, um, and that's about basics for Bitcoin. Um, and then there's going to be some other work coming down the pipeline with kind of some online webinar based uh, courses and and some podcast series and whatnot. So there's plenty of work that's continuing to get done. Um, but I think if people use it as a start point, as a launch yeah. point yeah. for just, just learning this language and learning in broad strokes, what everything's about, you can, once you have the first principle based knowledge about the global monetary system, you can riff on whatever topics you want, but unless you have those foundations, it's very difficult to work backwards. Yeah. No, no, I couldn't agree more. Um, I'm just looking and thinking, where the heck did that hour go? Um, I know, right? <laughs> I, I, can, I can only thank you for coming on. I guess I, I do want to pull this together by asking you the question, uh, and that is, what do you see, what role do you see from your level of understanding how long you've been in Bitcoin? I know I've got my own views, but what, what do you see Bitcoin, what role do you see Bitcoin playing in the world, in the financial system, 
in the future, maybe 10 years out, you know, none of us have got a crystal ball. I totally respect that. But when we do our own research, we've all come to a conclusion where we think this thing's going to be. What about you? Yeah, I think, um, you know, there's the, well, let me back up a second. There's this common criticism that you hear uh, about from people who are no, who are no coiners or, or just not really into Bitcoin that, well, it just can't scale, right? It can't, it, it, it there, people who are into Bitcoin are afraid of credit and everything. And, and I don't think that that's necessarily true. Hmm. So the way I start with people on explaining what it is, is I really do think, okay, and albeit it's not a perfect analogy. So, you know, it's digital gold in my opinion, and it can form a base layer of money, right? Yeah. Is it something, do, do I envision it as something that you'll be actually exchanging true bearer asset Bitcoin for coffee in the future? I, I tend not to think that, right? I think there's going to be layers built yeah. on top of it as there yeah. already are. Yeah. But I think one of the greatest examples of what it could be is this whole idea about if I'm if I'm Russia a year ago and I'm holding U.S. Treasuries as my storehold of wealth, or U.S. dollars as my storehold of wealth, or take Russia out of it? If I'm a sovereign country yep. and I have a net trade balance that's positive and I'm accruing wealth over time, and I don't want to see that wealth melt away by the Federal Reserve printing dollars or whatever my base currency is, I'm going to be using Bitcoin as a storehold of value. Yes. Over time, and so ultimately, I see it as a foundational storehold of value. Now, there's it's not because everybody's afraid of credit. Credit is a good thing. Credit mm-hmm. is a good thing when done the right way. Yep. But when you rehypothecate, meaning you reuse assets multiple, multiple times over to create money out of thin air, that's when you have problems. And so I think the fact is, it's a truth signal. You can fractionally reserve, lend it out because you can still prove that there's a certain ratio, let's say a hundred to one lent Bitcoin to proof of reserves. Mm. Yeah. But you can't do it a thousand to one and tell people it's a hundred to one by hypothecating it 10 times. So that may be way too much in the weeds, but I see it as kind of the foundational level of the global monetary system upon which everything else is built. And so the closest analogy I can come to in that fashion is digital gold. No, I'm, I'm with you totally. Um, I just say to people that I just feel with all the research I've done, it will be the base layer of money in the future. And everything built on top, particularly Lightning Network, is gathering crazy space. I mean, we went to the Bitcoin adventure here in Bristol in the UK several weeks ago first event that i've been to and you know everyone was buying coffee on the, on the lightning network you know you could you could get your burgers there whatever you wanted to eat and it was the first time i'd ever used i've got moon wallet i've got wallet of satoshi i mess around getting familiar with them all the time moving money around between the wife and i we, we do that all the time but it was it was just a, a crazy crazy experience to actually you know get that card reader and me pay you know using it on my phone and i literally paid for my coffee is like this yeah, is amazing <laughs> and i think the thing is is that most people don't even you almost you know akin to what jeff booth often talks about which is the whole idea of how much technology will be pervasive in our lives 
is actually exceedingly difficult for most people to even fathom, myself included, right? Yep. And so I think a lot of the individual use cases for it are still beyond our imagination. Yeah. And they're, they're hiding in plain sight and we'll only realize them when, when it comes. But I think if you just think of it in terms of storing your wealth over, over infinite periods of time because it is truly scarce, um, that's the, all you need to get started. So get off zero. And hey, Brian, by the way, in the last minute here, I, you know, your conference in, in Edinburgh, what you were going to invite me to that, right? I didn't, I never got an invite from you, buddy. <laughs> Everyone's welcome. Come and join people. It's not, I'm not running it. Oh, crikey. <laughs> no, it's, um, I'm really excited by this site. We booked our hotels. We've planned our trip. Oh, the road. I, it's going to be great. Greg and James are an absolute hoot. And, and Larry as well. And uh, uh, I'll see. Like I say, I've never been to never been to the the British Isles, and so it. You know, I'm going to put it on my on my calendar as a potential. We'll see how things shape up at the twenty first and twenty second of October. The, the guys have already said a thousand tickets have gone already, which is great awesome. because you know it came yeah. out of nothing. It came out of nowhere. And it's just gaining yeah. momentum. We've now got some big sponsors, apparently, that sponsor the Formula One team here. And so, yeah, there's a lot of, lot of, lot of. Oh my gosh! Speaking of Formula One, I've just recently got into Drive to Survive on Netflix. Oh lord, have you really? I love oh Formula god. One, mate. I don't miss it. Oh my god, I am like so. I don't even watch car racing, and I'm I'm completely addicted to Drive to Survive. Formula One is just mind-blowing. I follow it. Anyway, oh. listen, I'm, I'm mindful of your time because you and I got to wrap up when we finished. Um, Jason, I've put your details in the show notes already, your Twitter, obviously. I've put the, I've put the Looking Glass link in the show notes as well. Any other handoff you want to um, you know, give to my audience before we pull this to a close? Any, any resource? No, other than if you fall off a roof or get hit by a car going 90 miles an hour and you're in Madison, Wisconsin, <laughs> you can DM listen, me. Listen, it's been an absolute blast. Just stay there because I always end my show with a quote and I want to do that right now. Okay, I found this one, people. Yesterday is history. Tomorrow is a mystery. Today is a gift. That's why we call it the present. People, take that gift. It is a gift. We are alive at one of the most exciting times. Simon Dixon says this, one of the most exciting times where for the first time in human history, you can own your own money, spend your own money, be totally sovereign. You can take your family's financial future out of the hands of governments. This is incredible. There are people I've lost, brothers at 50 that died suddenly that have never seen this. I've lost my parents. They've never seen it. This is going to play out over over 100 years. And we are lucky that our lives are bridging this moment in time, which I find I don't think anybody should waste that. I really, really don't. So, uh, Jason, thank you for being on the show. Uh, people, that is your UK Bitcoin Master live show. Um, I hope you got something from it. If you did, please tweet it out, share the link with friends, you know, 
Tell them about this crazy Bitcoiner that got this trauma surgeon on this show and why is a trauma surgeon involved in this crazy, funny internet money? I don't know. Whatever you do, let's get more and more people finding Bitcoin, finding shows like mine, uh, finding um, Looking Glass Education so that we can get more and more people to catch the vision of where this thing is going. Um, thank you, Matthew Underhill. Feddy Mint, that was it. Obi's company is called Feddy, F-E-D-I. I've subscribed to their newsletter so that I get any updates. If you haven't seen that, people, Preston Pish's latest podcast with Obi, it is an absolute must watch to know where the future is going. Uh, that is it. I'm going to leave you with my social media links. Have a great morning, afternoon, evening, wherever you are. Enjoy your weekend. Remember my philosophy. Buy your Bitcoin, get it safely onto cold storage, and then stop watching the price. Enjoy life because life is fleeting. Life goes by very quickly. I was 21 once. I'm now 63. And I sometimes think, where did that go? So stop sitting looking at price. Just stack your sats. Keep stacking those sats. Enjoy your family. Go out and smell the roses. Go on holiday. Tend your garden. Go to work. Do what we do and enjoy life. I can't say that enough. I'll be back on Monday, 6 p.m. UK time, 1 p.m. EST. Come and join us. Lord Melbury. I think that's Melbury. Welcome. Great to have you in the house. Uh, thank you, everyone. I'm going to end you with my social media links. Links, Jason, I will catch you on the other side of the social media links. That's it, peeps. I'm out of here. Enjoy the rest of your day. Catch you all on Monday.